Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Genealogy Adventures. I'm Brian Seppi. And I'm Donya Williams. How are you? How are you? We've missed you guys so much. We have. We've really, really missed you guys. So looking forward to being back with you today. As always, thank you for sharing the next hour of your Sunday with us. We're so happy to be back. Yes, it's exciting. We've got some exciting news. and We do. Yes, we're just ready to move forward. Um, so over the summer, Brian and I have been working on some things. We want to get into that first. So over the summer, Brian and I, we've been working on some things and we wanted to try to reach more people. You guys know how we feel about sharing our information and what we do and how we do it. So we're really looking at um, trying to push forward and we were able to do that. We were able to get into a new studio. Now, mind you, it is virtual, but it is a new studio and it's called E360 TV. And guess what guys, it's on TV, yay! Yay! So it is on both Fire TV and Roku, Apple, Samsung. Not Google, Samsung. Oh, not Samsung, Google, and I believe Android, Android TV as well. It's Android TV, Roku TV, um, Amazon Fire Stick, it's five of them. Apple TV and Apple iOS. That's what it is. So we are very, very happy about that. So to basically see us on digital TV, what you need to do is download, as Don was saying, the E360 TV app. We're in there. Um, I'm not sure how you do it through Roku, but on Fire TV, if you have Alexa enabled, it's really simple. I had Don laughing on the phone. I just spoke into my <laughs> remote, Alexa, find E360 TV. Got the app, downloaded it, done. Right. It was a little bit more involved in Roku, if I remember correctly, or was it just as simple? Oh, no, it's very simple with Roku. Just go to your search. If you are, um, um, if you have a Roku TV or if you have a Roku stick, all you do is go to um, your search area and just type in E36 and the rest of it will pop up. And it's right there. And the great thing about E360 TV, guys, is that it is not anything that you have to pay for it is absolutely free so you guys will be able to see it absolutely free no charge just on the big tv and it's it's just awesome but know this we still will be um streaming live onto facebook but we also get ready for this also we'll be streaming live on youtube so we'll be um, introducing a whole new audience in six different ways and it's just awesome and we're just so excited about the whole thing mm -hmm. and we'll also be available on twitch and uh, even better we are still yeah. sunday at 4 p.m eastern standard time right our time doesn't change none of that were we able to get it to linkedin too yes yes so guess what linkedin family you're going to be on, on there too. So everybody, we're just going to be able to get this just really going. Um, Harriet, it's E360 TV. That's the name of the app. And it's on Roku. And we'll put this up here. It's on Roku. It's on Amazon Fire Stick. It's on Apple TV and Apple iOS. 
iOS and it's on Android TV. And if you have um, a Samsung phone and you have a Samsung TV, you can download it on your phone and then cast it to your TV. So you'd still be able to like see it, but we're going to be sending you guys information. You know, we're going to be posting all week about E360 TV because we literally start next week. Our first, our other show, our second show will be on E360 TV. So we're very (laughs) excited about that. And we've set it up in such a way that because we're still doing it live through Facebook and through on YouTube, we will be able to see your comments. So, because that was really important to us, we really enjoyed that. We enjoyed the dynamic and the relationship that we built up with you guys, and we love to get you questions. So that was really important for us. So you'll still be able to ask questions, but you'll only be able to do it through YouTube and Facebook. Yes, and and that was kind of important to us because we we were always like, well, is there any way to continue to keep interactive with our with our audience because they mean so much to us, and you guys. So, yeah. So, let's move on to the topic of the show. So, it's a really important one for us. It's something that Johnny and I, I think we've been talking about different aspects of this for about five years, um, for as long as we've been on, been on having the, the show. So, today we're talking about how African American history should be taught in schools. And we have a couple of very recent news articles that kind of underline our central message about this topic. But I just wanted to open it up, and I know Donnie is going to talk about her her school experiences with with my own. So it's no secret that I grew up in a majority white, and by that I mean way over ninety percent town in Connecticut. Most, you know, kind of a it wasn't quite rural, but it was it was mostly rural. And I'm going to give you three quick examples. So in terms of Native American history or Indigenous history, basically what we learned was you know we were taught the Thanksgiving story, which parts of it are true and parts of it aren't true, then the next thing we know is we're being taught about how how indigenous people were put on reservations. Well, that's a huge time span. And there was literally nothing between those two events that we were ever taught except for the little big one. And I distinctly remember being in class and we had to watch a movie with Dustin Hoffman, a really old movie. I think it's like 1970s. It had to do with the little bighorn. And the whole thrust of the movie was to make us, the audience, feel sorry for Custer. I mean, he died, and you know, anyone who dies is is sad. I'm, I'm not saying that his death wasn't. But the central theme was that the Native Americans were the bad guys, where all they were doing was defending their own, you know, defending their lands and their home and their livelihood. But that was never taught, and it was never questioned. We we just kind of, as young minds, we just took that on board. Um, and never questioned it. The second group of people were free people of color. We never even knew that they existed until I read a book by Anne Rice called The Feast of All Saints, which is the fictionalized story of the free people of color in New Orleans. Like I said, I think I was about 18 by the time I learned that there were even free people of color in this country. Never thought that. In terms of the enslaved experience, we heard the word slavery. But we were never taught about what slavery was, how it worked, that it was in all 13 colonies, because I grew up thinking that slavery was only ever happened in the South, in the colonial period. Never knew about New England or the mid-Atlantic colonies. So that 
you know, that was a bit jarring. So we start out with the word slavery. It was never mentioned. We never had the details or all the, I think the most we had was the word plantation. And as, you know, as researchers, we know that enslaved people were enslaved in every kind of occupation from big plantations to small farms, to maritime industry, working on riverboats up and down the river, you name it, enslaved people were there. Never taught that. So we went from the word slavery straight to emancipation, where the message was, well, everyone was free, country moved on, everyone was singing Kumbaya. Well, as an African-American, I know that wasn't the truth. I knew there was a huge part of that story missing because being born in the 60s, I was still dealing with the latter part of Jim Crow. So again, huge disconnect. And I'm gonna throw two other ones that just came into my mind. Not about marginalized communities, but again, never learned that Puritans killed Quakers in New England. So that I was 40 years old, 40 years old by the time I actually realized that that had actually happened. And that all 13 colonies didn't actually like one another. Matter of fact, some of them actively hated each other. South Carolina colonial government overthrew the Georgia colonial government because they didn't like how things were being run in Georgia. Virginia did the same thing to Maryland. There was all of this history. And a lot of it still echoes down to this day. And again, if you're not quite getting what I mean about that Virginia versus Maryland, uh, South Carolina versus Georgia, when you boil it right down, as I said, those colonial governments didn't like how their neighbors were doing things. So what did they do? They overthrew them. What was January the 6th about? People didn't like the, the outcome of an election, so they tried to overthrow that election. The past resonates in the present, and a lot of this can get addressed in terms of what we teach our kids. And then, Adonia, you've got quite a bit to say. Um, well, I can also follow through with the same things that you were talking about, um, basically, but I guess I was a different generation as far as schooling is concerned with, from you. So for example, you started out with, I have COVID brain, so, <laughs> um, what did you start with? I started with indigenous people going from indigenous Thanksgiving people. Thanksgiving right. so, to reservations. Yeah, we, we learned about Thanksgiving when it came to Native Americans. To be honest, I don't think we learned that much. I don't remember learning that much about Native Americans. But when you go into slavery, we actually learned about the 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 um the, the Missouri Compromise, the, the whole compromise and we learned, and we then I know we learned about it because that's when I realized that I was related to Preston Brooks because I had seen that picture. Mm -hmm. So we definitely learned about it, but we never knew Preston's name. We learned about Charles Sumner. So we started to learn more about abolitionists when it came to slavery. Um, we we started to get the information about how they fought against it, and that it happened. And, you know, we have people with problems with it, but it's still focused more on the abolitionists than the act of slavery itself. Um, and then we also, um, the, the third thing you went into was free people of color. Never heard of them until I started research. I can, I can, I can join you on that one. I never heard of them um, until we started researching. 
as well. And um, I don't know, it's just been, it, it, and when I think about my children, which are like three generations, technically three school generations away from me to a certain degree, they didn't get any of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they didn't get any of it. So when they talk to me about stuff, I'm looking at them like, how do you not know what's going on? How, how, how do you miss that? So um, those were the things that I actually learned when it came to school and what we know about his, what we know about Black history and the focus of Black history when I was in school was Martin Luther King. He was the focus. Martin Luther King, Sojourner Truth, the same people that we look at now every Women's History Month and Black History Month, those are the people that they focused on. So there was a whole focus on that. You know, you mentioned Black History Month because that first started when I was in either junior high school or freshman in high school. And we had two days in history Mm. class. That was it. And like you, it was it was we, you know, and these I'm not mocking these people, but there were more than just five people who did things. And it was the right. usual suspects. Crispus Atticus, Phyllis Wheatley, um, in the usual in, in the usual canon. Again, yeah. never taught about atrocities, never taught about I've learned more through hosting the show with you than I did in high school. We, I never learned anything about black cowboys or that yeah. whole cowboy thing basically started with African-American men, enslaved no. African-American men. Never knew that. No. Never knew that Kansas, because we've studied the Kansas-Missouri compromise, but we never ever was mentioned that Kansas and Missouri actually had a war. I learned that on this show. Yep, you're right, you're right. Because that was that was one of those jaw-dropping shows that we had. So now we're, we're talking about this because here we are, 2021, and we're talking about school. I graduated in 1990. Brian, you graduated when? You want to tell? Uh, 80, 84. So that, that's a six-year difference. And look at the difference in the, in the teaching already, just in a six-year mm-hmm. difference. So, um, you know, when we're, now we're here in, in 2021. And you have all these issues about taking it completely out, not adding it at all, from the critical race theory to who should teach it. Um, to banning books. To, I mean, to, banning, to actually banning books. And then um, something as deep as students petitioning to have slavery come back. These yeah, are the you, things that are happening. You heard that correct. I believe Bonnie's going to share the story with you. There are in, in Missouri, I can't remember the town or the name of the high school, there were students who circulated a petition, something to do with an event or an association with the event where they were formally asking for the reinstatement of slavery with all the racist dog whistle, not even dog whistles, the usual racist words associated with it. Right, so I'm getting ready to share this screen right now. And this is with USA Today. We're trying to be as, you know, neutral, neutral as possible. Um, basically, it says multiple high school students in Missouri allegedly post a racist petition online calling for bringing back slavery in the United States. 
this is not an alleged thing. This actually happened because we also found this article on the New York Post. And when we found this article on the New York Post, they had already proven and the um, they the uh, students were already supposed to have been either disciplined or what have you. Now, of course, they did not give the students names. Um, nor did they share any of any of those things. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, guys, when Brian first talked to me about this, when, when I tell you that I was speechless, because I, I wasn't, I didn't understand. Like, I, I was like, I, they asked for what? They wanted... I mean, what is there? I was looking for a catch. I was looking, I was trying to find something. This happened in, this just happened, guys. This particular article was written September 23rd, 2021. I need you to, to grasp that. So let that sink in, you know, 2021. This is where this is. Um, oh, wow. I'm scrolling down and it's saying in Oregon, a school staff member showed up to work in blackface. That employee was suspended. So my, my point is, is that we really need to talk about black history as a whole, who should teach it and how it should be taught. And did you want to show the Pennsylvania yeah. incident? Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we need to talk about it is because we have great students like this who fight back. So they don't want this crap. They don't want this. And um, we need to work on that. But Brian, you want to talk about this one? So basically, I don't remember where this is in Pennsylvania, but it was a, an all-white school board who decided that this is within the context of this critical race theory, and I'm going to call it nonsense. And I call CRT nonsense because it is only taught in a handful of law schools. So we're talking adults. Kids don't go to law school. Adults. Yeah go to law school. The whole reason why critical race theory is even taught in law school is to get pretend, you know, perspective in the future, lawyers and legal workers to understand that there is and has always been systemic racism against non-white people, but specifically African-Americans in the United States justice system and the legal system. So kind of getting people to think about their inbuilt prejudices, biases, assumptions, all that kind of stuff. So I'm just putting that out there. Critical race theory is not taught in any other kind of school. Now, what conservatives in the far right are trying to do is to say that the history of non-white people is basic, is gonna trigger kids to feel guilty about being white, white culture, all of that. 
you know, if that's how they want to feel about it, that's how they want to feel about it. I'm not in control of anyone's feelings and how they perceive things. Mm -hmm. But the real, you know, the, the reason why this needs to be taught is because everyone has a history in this country. Going all the way back to the earliest colonial times, there were Chinese people here, Muslim people here, just we were already a myriad of people. But we only ever get one people's story in our history book. And this is just a classic kind of pushback against that. So basically, what the school system is now trying to say is, well, we never really banned them. We just put a pause on these books. And the books that they're referencing are coming from, you know, really top-notch Ivy School League, people of color who have a name for themselves. Like, um, uh, I can't think of his, his first name is Ibrahim Candy, I think his surname is, but Charles Blue is another one. You know, these are, these are the top thinkers amongst marginalized people who've written excellent books that have been peer-reviewed, reviewed, commented on, all that kind of stuff. But they don't want any of this talk. So you can imagine that we already have it, my generation is like, well, what are black and brown people so angry about? Well, if you actually learned why we're a traumatized people and have centuries worth of trauma under our belts as a people, maybe you could kind of understand why we push back so heavily and so vocally, you know, and have been doing for, for quite some time. Well, just looking as I scroll through this to let people, you know, look at it, there's one um, paragraph right here. What happened? Go back. Don't do that. Just go forward again. I got it. Um, this should pop up. Uh, they actually said last October, the all white school board unanimously banned a list of educational resources that included a children's book about Rosa Parks, Malala Yousafi autobiography, and CNN's Sesame Street Town Hall on Racism. So that means the dentist don't want you to know nothing. When you ban CNN's Sesame Street Town Hall, they don't want nobody to know anything. They want you to stay right where you are. They want you to, you know, you, you're just not allowed to know. None of, no, nothing bad that happened here. Everything happened here was good and we were fine. You don't even, at this point, the way things are going, you don't even have to look at the history when you think about the way things are going right now. When you sitting up here telling me, oh yeah, all of the white people did everything and all of the white people did really good. And there was no bad, no evil in the world of, US, of the US. How dumb do you really think I am? And why do you wanna make our children that stupid? And I mean all of our children, cause let's be clear. This is not about teaching just black children their history. This is about teaching all children, all of the history. To me, most important thing is the fact that if my white counterpart knows that I'm a dis that figured out, finds out that I'm a descendant of another white person, then I can't be underneath them. I can't be beneath them. If that makes sense. I, I mean, I'm 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 an equal. 
because I got a white relative who was considered a, a top person. Because let's just be clear, Preston was a son of South Carolina. And I am, he's my uncle. But I didn't learn that he was my uncle. Hell, I didn't even learn his name in school because they didn't want you to know the bad part. They wanted you to know about those abolitionists who did the good thing. But history is so much more exciting when you learn all of it. It's so much more exciting. You know, and the people that I've always been fascinated about, historically speaking, isn't even necessarily the people who supported slavery and the people who locally advocated against it. I'm fascinated by the larger group of people who just appear to be quiet, silent bystanders. What were they, what were they thinking? Well, I mean, you know, there's so many um, excuses. There's always excuses as to why they're, they're not a part of it or, mm-hmm. or why they think, oh, it's not like that. We're, you know, let's wait it out and see. And, you know, all of these different things. Yeah, now, for me, let's, let's wait, wait it out. It ranks up there with the Ameri- this United States passion for this phrase thoughts and prayers. Yes. Empty words that people can throw out in a conversation. It's like, you know, oh, I don't want anyone to think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm bad or unsympathetic. So I'm, I'm just going to say thoughts and prayers or it'll, it'll work itself out. Well, we right. have over a century of things not working themselves out. Exactly. So I want to, I want to go to, to some of the, the comments. Um, Jerome Spears says, so to not make white people feel bad, we all have to live with historic lies. Someday we'll all be free. Yes, that's basically what they're trying to teach. And then Tammy Gibson said, black history starts at home. Well, it does for black people if you wanna look at it like that. But what about all the other races? They don't learn it. Yeah, because again, we have people who think that we speak abonics. That's it taught in immigrant and um, naturalization course. That's right. It definitely did because I saw it with my own eyes. I actually have a picture of the book on my Facebook page from years ago where they actually did. I was asked, I was actually approached because I was in a, it was either probably a cab, but at that time, but I was in a cab and the guy asked me, he was like, so do you speak this language when you're in front of your children? Now y'all know me, y'all know me, but I was calm and I looked at him and I was like, excuse me, what do you, what? I, I'm, I'm American. So I speak, I speak English. No, no. I mean, I understand that, but do you speak, you know, your, your home language? This is my home. This is, this is where I'm from right here. I speak English. So he was like, okay, I'm not trying to offend you. And I was like, you're not, but I'm trying to understand what you're saying. So he pulled out the book because he was studying to become a citizen. And I swear to you guys, this man pulled out this book. And when he pulled out this naturalization immigration book that's teaching him to become an American citizen, he went to the language area and it actually said in so many words that black people speak Ebonics. I need y'all to know that. That is our language. We speak Ebonics. First of all, if y'all had Juanita as a mama, you would have never spoke Ebonics in the household. 
<laughs> never, never, ever, never. <laughs> this wouldn't happen. To the point when my mom had my daughter correcting me sometimes. That's how bad that was. I'll never forget it. My daughter one time, she, I was, I wasn't using because at the beginning of a sentence, first of all, I knew that. I knew you're not supposed to do that. But I said something and as I was saying it, it was like, and I, and, and I said, because blah, 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 blah. My then about three years old, cause she was very, very, very intelligent. She, um, she actually graduated from high school at 16, all that good stuff. So she looked at me and she was like, mom, you don't start a sentence with because. I just looked at it and rolled my eyes, but I knew, <laughs> I knew that, <laughs> I knew that. And I didn't need her to tell me that, but nevertheless, yeah, we, um, it was no Ebonics in my household. So back to Tammy Gibson, yes, history as a whole starts at home. But if you teach just black history to just black children, then that defeats the purpose, in my opinion. Everybody needs to know it because then there's a, a, a way to show equality when teaching it because it wasn't just white people that founded this country let's be clear 1865 rolled around after the civil war it was a start over and we were a part of that makeup of, of starting america over they need to know that yeah that reset button that didn't quite entirely work right but the, <laughs> the thing, thing is we have a reset button all the time it's always a reset button and how many times, you know, how many times does the button need to be reset before we lose patience? It's like but, we, just, we have... but what I'm saying, Brian, it's not just a reset button for this, what we're talking about. Okay. There's always been a reset button. You can go back to those that believe in the Bible. I'm one. But, you know, if you believe in the Bible, you know that Adam and Eve, quote unquote, started everything. Well, they were drowned, people. <laughs> And guess who reset the button? Noah. So then we all became descendants of Noah and his family. It was an actual reset. And that's not the first time God ever reset or the your higher power, whatever it is that you believe in, that it wasn't reset. It's always been a reset button. One day, it's not going to reset. So no. there was an important phrase in that second article that you showed on the screen that actually explains a lot about what happened in, still in Pennsylvania, but it's actually happening all around the country because that's not the only school system doing this. And that's the phrase, all white school board. Now, again, gonna use a real world example. So cast your minds back to 2015. A lot of us don't really wanna revisit that, but important for this one. So I got into arguments with a lot of my white classmates who weren't understanding why a lot of people of color were very fearful about that pending election. And then they weren't very happy about Black Lives Matter and the protesting and then all of that, that that happened after Ahmed Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. They weren't happy about that. And I was trying to explain to them what was going on. And they just kept making opinions and assumptions. And I'm like, look, we went to an all white, we went to a school system whose school board was all white. The teachers were all white. 
the students were majority white. So if you come from that kind of a town and you come from that kind of a school system and you go to a church that is either majority or exclusively white, you work in a workplace that is either exclusively or majority white. What are you going to know about anyone who's not white? And again, I'm opening this up. What are you going to know about Native Americans? What are you going to know about Spanish-speaking people? What are you going to know about Asian people? What are you going to know about Black people and African Americans? You don't have friends, workers, coolies, fellow worshipers, neighbors. How can you make definitive statements? But people do. And I think that frustrates me more than, than, than anything else. Yeah. And they always have a reason to try to shut that conversation down. I don't want to hear that. Right. But, but I think as genealogists, we can we can explain to them how they need to hear that. And then also, like, okay, so Tammy Gibson, she said, if schools don't want to teach Black history, we need to teach it at home. Um, and then she's, yeah, but, and, and, I, and I get where she's coming from with that. I really do. But there are several other different races that need to learn that history as well. In my opinion, Black history, American history is one in the same because one wouldn't be without the other. Those 1,500 um, African-Americans who were part of state, local, and federal government, they are not mentioned. And they need to be mentioned because it was those people that was a part of re that reset button that was pushed for America. Bottom line, they were, and if those children, those white children, those those Hispanic children, those Asian American children, if none of those children are not learning that, and all they're learning is that white people are great, white people are awesome, they did everything, while our black children are learning, oh yeah, we did this, we did that, blah blah blah, we're still in the same boat as we were as we've always been. We're still no. right in the same boat. It's, it's time for those filers to come down. And because, you know, genealogy adventures is to show that it is, we actually come with built-in solutions or, or possibilities, options for getting right. around this. Right. So you're an all-white school board. You are unhappy with narratives that you feel make you feel uncomfortable about, you know, European-Americans' history and you're feeling some kind of way about curriculum changes and books and all the rest of it. Well, my advice would be reach out to, or e even if it's not that, you're an all white school board and you're not really sure what books you should use or how you can incorporate marginalized people's histories into the American history curriculum. Every state has a state university. Many of them have different studies departments. You have women's studies departments, black history departments, black studies departments, Native American history departments, myriad of, myriad of groups, brilliant talent. That's an inbuilt talent for your school to access, to say, can you review or can you make recommendations? We would like to incorporate marginalized people's histories into our courses what books would you recommend? Are there people that are qualified to speak from school at a you know, junior high school level, at an elementary school level, at a high school level that you can recommend? What books would you recommend? Are there documentaries 
that you would recommend. So it's not so you don't even have to parachute a person of color or you know someone from a marginalized community into the school board. There's a whole raft of people and subject experts that you can talk to. There are historians that will probably live in your county that would be more than happy to help you, including as Johnny Donnie was touching on, genealogists. Well, the thing is, is that I know in, in the Maryland area, all you have to do is go to the PTA meeting. Yep, black because they do black history programs to offer all their schools. You go to a PTA meeting and tell them, hey, I have this. Would you like, you know, they'll, they'll put you into their program. It's really not a difficult thing to do. Even if the school don't do it, the PTA will. They'll be like, oh, okay, well, let's do this. And they will go and, 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 and do those types of things. I mean, I went to, you said you went to an all white school. I, my school was literally, because I lived in Virginia Beach. So even though Virginia Beach is, is more white than black, my particular school was probably as close to 50-50 as you can get. And it was my black principal that made sure that certain things were taught to all of his students, not just a handful here or mm -hmm. a certain amount there, all of them. And then he also made sure that there were programs or there were clubs that would allow us to learn more about history and then share it out. He may not have done it through school, but he did it through those programs. So I was a part of the Black, the black Culture Club in my school. When I tell y'all, we touched on everything from colonial times to dance to music to, I mean, we touched on everything and it was awesome. And we learned so much stuff and we taught, you know, we did so much, we did so much different things. Back then I was a slim trim, you know, fine. <laughs> We all were. <laughs> we all. So I was doing that. And, and the thing is, is that we weren't just doing things that had to do with Black history. We did swing dance. Swing dance was more of a, a, a white thing, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. But I'm talking about the tossing and throwing and all that and throwing through the legs and tossing in the air. We did those things. And, you know, we were into all of that kind of stuff. And it was awesome. And, and we had shows and our shows sold out each time. So these are things that, you know, really need to be done. Kathleen Evans said, we have to remain vigilant because the battle continues around this country. There is a major effort to change our history. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Remember when textbooks company in Texas, mm, that right mm. there. When the textbooks company in Texas stated in history books that workers came from Africa to work in the South, slavery and slaves were not mentioned. She's absolutely right. And when I tell you I was one of those people that was contacting them probably every day, maybe three times a day to change that crap, they changed it. Now, I don't know how long it stayed changed, but they changed it on their online books, but said that they could not change it on their printed books because those were final. They were not going to reprint millions of books to do that. Yes, that's what they did. Which is the other point. Any educational publisher 
who is taking books about a group of people that is not written by a representative or a descendant or a member of that group of people should have that book peer reviewed out of state by a neutral, independent, educational body. And that books should never be published unless it has actually been signed off on. Everything in this book is correct. You're good to go. That's right. And then the other thing is, is that, you know, you made the comment about the all white school board. First and foremost, the most important thing that we all need to do is get a seat at the table. I don't give a, I don't care what race that, that you're, you are, you need to get a seat at the table because if we don't have a seat at the table, then everything that we're saying right there doesn't matter right now doesn't matter. We have no, it's, it's, that's, this is why we have no say. This is why that book went through. Because mm -hmm. if somebody was sitting at the table when the book was being written and they said that, I know they would have been like, hey, um, I'm going to need y'all to turn back the page such and such and such. And um, yeah, this, this not right. This not right. They were not workers. Why are we trying to teach our children that these people were somebody who got paid? Because that's what it gave the thought. It gave so, the thought. So you can imagine you're one of the students, you know, you, you, someone who read one of those textbooks and then you catch our show and then you hear us talking about breeders, enslaved breeders. And it's like, for those of you who are new to the show, that sounds exactly like what it is. Enslaved people, not all of them, but some enslaved people were bred like animals and their children were sold. Now, Donia has had voluminous pushback on that statement. I've had pushback on that statement about breeders in my own ancestry. Breeding never happened. No one was that evil. All the usual kind of caveats and explanations and, and, and blah, blah. Um, and again, easily avoidable by education. Well, I've got another question for you, Donia. Yeah. Why are kids still being taught that Christopher Columbus discovered this country? He never stepped foot in this land. I got them better for you, and I have to find it. Do you know that they don't really know what Christopher Columbus looks like? Yeah, no idea. They have absolute, the picture that they put up. Not him. That's not him. If you guys did not know that, I will find the link and I will post it on here. But that guy of the white man that quote unquote discovered America, that ain't him. When you go, when you go Google it, that ain't him. So guess what? Christopher Columbus could have been a black man. I just want to put that in the air. I just want to put it in the atmosphere. He actually could have been a black man that didn't that didn't discover America. Meanwhile, they talk they very you talk very little about the black man who helped him navigate the seas. Because there were they do talk about him, but very sparingly. Who's to say that Christopher wasn't black too? Like when I heard that, or Hispanic, or something other than white. Who's to say that when I? I just learned that. I didn't yeah. even know it. I mean, he could have very easily been Moorish. Yes. You know, more of Moorish descent. Yes. I just learned that. I but just see, learned that. And I'm going to find that link. I'm going to put it up here. But you see, that, that's the thing about 
teaching specifically children, young people, whose minds are still developing that are little sponges. And we're taught from birth to basically take anything that an adult tells us as the truth. So you, you, know, you have no way of, of questioning it. Is that the, the only reason why I felt really uncomfortable about the whole kind of being taught the little bighorn wasn't even because that I knew anything about that history before, before being taught it. But because there's Native American in my ancestry, I'm like, wait a minute, there's a huge time, there's a huge bit that's been cut out of this timeline to get us from 1600s to the 1800s. Like I said, um, and I actually, you know, thankfully I had a relationship with my parents that when I went home, I, I do know me, Donya, I dwell on it. it. Takes me a day or two and I'm thinking about it and kind of pondering it. Mm -hmm. And I sat down at, at the dinner table and I finally opened up to my parents. We read this book and we saw this movie and it's really bugging me because something's not quite adding up about the Native American experience. And then my dad kind of filled in the gap. I'm like, oh, so I was right to feel the way that I was feeling. And now I know why I was right to question it. Right. And then, now the, I, you know, I, I'm really glad that Tammy Gibson made the comment that she made about Black History Starts at Home. Because sadly, we can't teach our children Black history because we don't know it ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's a strong thing. And I'm, I'm trying to understand Deborah Cross's I'm really trying to understand it. Um, I'm going to read it, but I, I'm going to read it. Okay. <laughs> it says, why are the majority of those commenting probably attending on your program, People of Color? Like during a school psychologist conference, I went to a presentation discussing Black culture. Can't remember exactly the topic. And was distressed that the standing room only presenters were primarily Black. Only a small handful of white sites attended. The presentation should not have been attended by black psychologists. Why not? Oh, I think I think I get it. She's saying that even though they attended, I get I'm assuming that what was covered, they would have already known from their lived experience or their professional experience. So maybe it was more for their white counterparts who would have wouldn't have any insight or knowledge on that. If I'm understanding what she what she said correctly, I guess that's my kind of kind of takeaway on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting that. I'm gonna be honest. I I, I don't I don't okay. I'm gonna be honest. I don't I don't understand. So I would appreciate it, Deborah, if you kind of elaborate on there because I'm I'm really not understanding that. Um but I think overall, you know, I think that all history history teachers for all levels need to have a course on on all of the histories now but even though we're talking but right now we're talking about african-american history i think a course should be taught um i'm tired of the teachers taking the kids to plantations and letting them pick cotton like that's all we did um i'm i'm tired of don't don't give my child that experience I mean, I can understand my child knowing it, but don't give my child that experience and think it's okay. Um, Cause it's, it's not. And I, you know, I don't care if you give the other child the experience. I don't think it's okay to give the other child the experience. 
it's not. I think that they should know about it, but they shouldn't have to experience it. And then the bottom line is, is that they're not really experiencing it. And you can speak on it from your perspective, but I'm, I'm going to say that I don't think either one of us is saying that we're talking about erasure of white American history. We're talking about there needs to be a proper, honest, frank teaching of American history across, across the board. Yeah, across I the mean, board. the bottom line is one can't be without the other. Y'all yeah. wouldn't be where y'all were if we weren't here. Let's just be honest. You just well, actually, because I mean, if you really want to put a pin in it, you know, going back at least with the Virginia colony, if it weren't for those first Africans who were there in 1619, Jamestown would have died again because it nearly died out the first time it got settled. It was struggling when, you know, when they were captured and, and eventually brought here and made into bonded servants. Um, but those, those first Africans, um, they, they saved Jamestown. There, there's no two ways about it. And again, that is something that is never taught at all. You're absolutely right. And I do want to clarify one more thing. Deborah, um, the people that are responding on here, they are not all Black. These are Black and white commenters. And, they're, and they are definitely making their own personal statements. So I, I don't want you to, to think that it's mainly African Americans who watch our show because we actually have it's all. Very mixed. Yeah, we have a very mixed audience. So I did want you um, to know that. Catherine Williams says, please check out a white documentary re recently produced by a boys prep school in my ancestral hometown that is circulating in the high school film festivals on this very topic called coloring our past. It shows what these young white kids are doing to make sure they find and incorporate black history into their schools. That's, that's awesome. That is um, awesome. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Charlemagne the God, not a fan, but his show came on Comedy Central, so it's entertaining, but he made some really, um, he, he pointed out something that I did not know about the Germans and how they teach their children about the Holocaust. You know, these kids actually go and clean the graves of those Holocaust survivors. They are, they, they're learning the history of them. They take them to real tours of concentration camps. They literally learn about what they, what happened because they don't want their history to be, you know, worn with, looked at with rose colored glasses and they teach it. And I was like, wow, I don't see, a, I mean, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. So again, until we started researching the voter suppression massacres in South Carolina in the 96th district, I really didn't have any understanding that voter suppression, specifically in this instance, black voter suppression had been going on for that length of time. Yeah. I guess in my head, I was just associated it with the Jim Crow era. Never thought about emancipation, and especially, you know, newly freed people wanting to vote for that first time. Right. You're right. 
Well, Brian, it is five minutes out. Get out. Really? Really? <laughs> <laughs> really? We it is at 455 right now. So um I hope that we had some um teachers, educators on here that are still in the system and can take this back. And, and you know, publishers, educational publishers. Yes. I hope that at least a couple of you are listening to this. Yes. I mean, because this has to be done. We have to go a certain way. And I wanted to say real quick, Bernice Bennett, she said, first of all, the parents need to read the textbooks. Remember, it was a mother that caught the problem with the book in Texas. And that's- Very that's good point, Bernice. Right. We have to get more involved in what's going on with our children's schooling, especially now, because they're trying to change so much about it. We got to stop sitting in the background and allowing, you keep complaining about the government, but you're not doing anything. Okay, well, I'm gonna, my last comment on this is going to be something that I said on Twitter. So me getting attacked on Twitter is nothing new. I, it's like eating Cheerios for me. And someone, <laughs> someone basically is like, when are you people going to let this go? And my reply was when your people actually acknowledge what happened. And the contributions yeah. that and the contributions that we've made to this country. We can't forget it until it's been acknowledged. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You can't forget it until it's been acknowledged. Great, great ending. Great ending. It's nothing else to, to be even said to that. So again, guys, you know, next week we are on the TV, we are on the screen. And um Do you want to introduce the show? Next week's show is Lalita Yeldell. She um, wrote the book called Circumcision of a Wounded Woman. And basically, we're going to be touching on um, COVID brain, Brian, help. Um, her experience of the American legal justice system. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and, how, and how it universally failed her. And, and, okay. and how, it, how it mirrors what's going on today. Because, you know, we always try to, to, to mirror what's going on today. So we try to keep things like that. Hmm? And we promise we are delving into genealogy topics. It's just the, the first couple of shows. We're really kind of reflecting what, what's happening in America at the moment. Um, well, well, the second show, that's the, the third show is the, is, is that the Brown Babies? Mm-hmm. That's the brown baby. So that's definitely genealogy. And then oh, the yeah. forefathers is, so we just have a great lineup for you guys. <laughs> and, oh, speaking um, of which, the first half of season five is already posted on our Facebook page underneath events. Events. So bar, two, bar one episode, all of the first half of season five is up there. So you can see exactly what we're talking about, what we're covering for this season. And if you save it, you'll get a you'll get a prompt for that episode right before it ends. Yes, 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 you will. So um, again, great comments. We're gonna have to read through all of them. I was trying to get some of them in. Thank you so much, Tammy Gibson, for bringing up the the statement about teaching from home and and things of that nature. I feel like that was such a a great statement because. First and foremost, we have so many of our people, and I'm talking about African-American people that actually don't even know or understand their own history. So how do you teach it? You know, it, it's just, it's very difficult. And um, 
yeah, I, I just want to thank you guys for being up here. We've missed you so much. We've missed you. So until next week, I'm done. I, I am Brian, and we will see you next week, Sunday at 4 p.m. right here. Yes. All right, bye. See bye. you guys.